Hey everyone, this is PJ Williams from Conspiracy Pill with another episode of Real Conspiracies. That's R-E-E-L, like is in movie real, because we're talking about hidden messages, occult symbolism, and conspiracy motifs hidden in your favorite books, movies, and video games. The first episode, we talked about one of my favorite movies, Inception, and now we're going to talk about one of my favorite video games of all time, and maybe one of the most underrated video games of all time, Death Stranding. So as I was preparing for this episode, we covered a movie last time. I wanted to cover a video game this time. I was looking into one of my favorite video game creators, Hideo Kojima, and I thought about doing something from Metal Gear Solid. And what I realized is that no matter which game I wanted to cover by Hideo Kojima, I couldn't sum up the entire game, all of its hidden symbolism, all of its occult references, all of its conspiracy motifs, especially in a short amount of time. And I wanted to make these a little bit more bite-sized to just get to the heart of what the conspiracy concepts and ideas and hidden messages and symbolism were in certain books or movies or video games. And especially when you come to things like Metal Gear Solid 2, there's so many directions to go. The fact that it predicted 9-11, the fact that it predicted social media and the takeover of AI and stuff like that is all stuff I'll have to cover in future episodes. Maybe we'll break it into a few different ones. But to avoid this whole thing becoming just a giant love letter to Hideo Kojima, I decided to just pick one game, Death Stranding to start with, and to just pick a few of the main concepts that I want to get to. Because again, if I covered everything in this game, it would take 10 plus hours. This is a game that takes over 50 hours to beat, and it's got something like 12 hours of cutscenes. There's just a ton here. And for people who are not familiar with Hideo Kojima, there's just absolutely no detail too small to be ignored. In fact, in a trailer for this game, there's a necklace worn by the character Amelie that can be decoded to reveal the name of a song featured in the game, Give Me an Answer by Low Roar. And the message was written in an ancient form of communication that was mostly used in the Andes called a kipu. And... Basically, what I'm saying is that Hideo Kojima put Braille onto an obscure ancient type of necklace for an Easter egg about a song. Again, no detail is too small, and this is what me and others love about his work. But I understand that most of you have probably never heard of Hideo Kojima. You've probably never played Death Stranding, and his games are overly complex and convoluted. But even if you're not a fan of Hideo Kojima, and you never played Death Stranding or Metal Gear Solid or any of these things, I'm going to try to break down the symbolism, the important symbolism in the main theme of this game in a way that everybody can understand. So to start that off, I'm just going to try to simplify the story the best I can. And again, these games are weird. So Death Stranding is about a character named Sam Porter Bridges, who lives in a world where a catastrophe has entangled this world with a limbo-like place called the beach. And through this beach, through this limbo state, dead people become stranded here looking for a way to reconnect with their bodies instead of moving on. And they're made up of antimatter, and if they come in contact with their old bodies, it'll actually cause a void out. Actually, I think if they come in contact with any people at all, it'll cause a void out, these massive explosions and that, along with time fall or this new anomaly where rain falls down, certain types of rain fall down and actually just age things really super fast, America has been left completely in shambles. 
And in the ruins of former America, a shadow government works to rebuild America into a collection of cities, renaming it the United Cities of America, where everyone connects through the Internet. And the main character, Sam, sets out with a baby in an artificial womb who can sense these other entities known as BTs or beached things. These dead bodies who are stuck on a beach between this life and the next to connect the country through something called the chiral network, which is a kind of Internet. But we're going to talk about more on that later again. If that didn't make sense, that's because this game is super weird, so I'll do my best, but those are the important things to remember. This was the first game by Kojima Productions after Hideo Kojima left Konami, and it was released November 8th of 2019. And since we're going to be talking about COVID for the beginning of this episode, COVID was first reported in Wuhan, China, December of 2019, and Americans didn't really start talking about it till January of 2020, which brings me to when I first started playing this game and what got me so interested in it. So... It must have been either December of 2019 or January of 2020 myself that I first started playing this game. A friend gave it to me, and this is before COVID testing. This is before lockdowns, before six feet of separation. This is before all of that stuff, before we even really knew what COVID was. I was at home with my family. We all got really sick, and I took a week off of work, and I just had this game. So I was sick, unable to sleep, and I spent all night staying up playing a game where, and I was a truck driver at the time, playing a game where you essentially are wandering across America, delivering packages to people. And a lot of people will call us a massive walking simulator. And yes, there are massive parts of the game, which are you're traversing the land, climbing mountains, using ropes and ladders and things like that to try to figure out how to get a package from one area to the next. That might not be fun for everybody, but I will say if you're at all interested in this game, it does stealth elements really well. It has really good combat, really good boss fights. And most of all, the story in this game is just absolutely fantastic. So if you want to get lost in a world where you're just kind of listening to indie music and traversing a beautiful landscape and getting into some cool boss fights. Maybe it's a game for you. Maybe it's not. I'm not going to try to sell it on you. But what I was realizing playing this game is that one of the things that was connecting to me besides relating to, to Sam as a, as a delivery person was that the themes in this game were just starting to come into our world in a really important way. And some of those main themes were Things like isolation, where people are only connecting to each other through the internet. In fact, in this game, no one leaves their homes. They're all in this self-imposed lockdown because the world outside is too dangerous. And Sam, a delivery driver, is the hero of this game. They are the heroes in this universe because they're the essential workers, a term that would only be coined months after this game had originally come out. There's also this kind of like six feet of separation thing where the main character has a condition called asynphosphobia, which is a fear of being touched by other people. You also notice that a lot of the characters are wearing masks, which is kind of interesting. But one thing that conspiracy theorists might remember from 2020 was a book released called COVID-19, The Great Reset. This was written by Klaus Schwab. And the whole idea of this is that they would use COVID-19 to implement a socialist, globalist, new world order. And people started realizing that this book came out rather early in 2020, like this was a plan from the beginning. So they started looking back even to 2017 and seeing some World Economic Forum predictions for 2030. And one of those predictions from 2017 was you'll own nothing and be happy. And from that, people also started realizing, well, how are we going to own nothing and be happy? And that's because you'll live in this pod and you'll eat the bugs. And that is a main uh, part of this game is this idea where everyone lives in their own bunkers, disconnected from the rest of society, where everything is delivered to them, uh, including their food, which we'll talk about in a minute. But there's also this live in the pod concept with the bridge baby or BB, this artificial womb baby that Sam carries with him throughout the game. And you're constantly warned never to take this baby out of its pod. 
And it further represents this living in a state of suspended animation where this baby never gets older. It never grows up. It never gets to really fully be human because it's living in the pod. And in fact, you're told that this baby is neither dead nor alive. It's literally a Schrodinger's cat of this game. And that's actually why it can see the beached things, these ghost-like entities from uh, from this limbo state because the baby's living kind of half in, half out. So it's a... Uh, it's a portal baby, essentially. It's this half in this world, half in the other world baby. There's a lot of stuff we can get into with that. One of the things that they talk about is this baby exists solely to be used by the state. This baby is talked about throughout the game as hardware. And this could be and is, in a lot of ways, a commentary on abortion, which, again, we'll talk about more at the end of this episode. But I also think in a lot of ways, this is how the state views us as just human hardware to be used as an end to their means. And part of that is what they plan on feeding us because another theme in this game is eat the bugs. In fact, the food in this dystopian future is literally all bugs. There are no cows. There's no sheep or goats or chickens or anything. Everybody just eats bugs. Part of the game is delivering bugs from bug farms to cities to people uh, to, to just growing the bugs. One of the first things you see in the game is Sam eating one of these weird floating otherworldly type bugs. So the symbolism is all there for that. So again, live in the pod, eat the bugs, humans as hardware, the entire globalist world economic forum future in a video game. Some of the other symbolism I want to get to before getting to the crux of this is things like the Akashic Records, which we've talked about on Conspiracy Pilled before, which is this theosophical concept that all universal events, thoughts, words, emotions, and intent to have ever occurred in the past, present, or future are encoded into this non-physical plane of existence. And in the game, this, again, is that limbo-like state, the beach. And we know this because the chiral network, this form of internet, it's not a normal type of internet. It actually goes through the beach, through this other world, to send information backwards through time. And the more that you connect to the chiral network, the more information is hooked up that people can receive from the past, including things from literally billions of years ago. And people are studying this. People like Hartman, who's literally dying, going to the other side to gain information on his family. People like the spiritualists who are finding information in this Akashic Records type concept of the beach, in which at one point she emails you literally to tell you that the pyramids in Egypt and Mesoamerica, the Nazca Lines and Stonehenge were gateways built to access this beach. And that our ancestors used to be able to move freely between this world and the other world using these sites, the the pyramids, the Stonehenge, things like that as literal portals. So there's a whole lot of that there. And besides pyramids and ziggurats and, and this whole idea of what they might have been used for, this game has a lot of Egyptian mythology, including this Gnostic dualistic concept that dates way back to, to Egypt called the Ka and the Ha or the body and the spirit. And I think if I wanted to get into all of the Egyptian mythology in this game, that would be an entire episode in and of itself. So we'll cover that at a later time. But one of the main characters, the the villain of this game, who is absolutely obsessed with Egyptian mythology is a character named Higgs. And if you didn't get that reference, he'll let you know what it references. And that's the Higgs boson particle or the God particle, the particle that was discovered at CERN that's supposed to connect the entire world together. And this game is about connection in a lot of ways. And if we're looking at CERN, some other concepts might become apparent, and that is the fact that CERN is where they literally make and study antimatter. So besides just finding the Higgs boson particle, they are creating, they are studying antimatter. And what CERN will tell you is that when antimatter comes into contact with matter, it creates massive explosions, it creates a void out. And in fact, that's what Higgs, the main villain of this game, is trying to do. He's actually going around and trying to connect 
people to antimatter to create void outs to destroy the country. His terrorists are trying to bring about literally the end of the world. And one of the things you'll learn about Higgs, going back to the main concept that I'm trying to get to, is that he doesn't actually have any power or knowledge of his own. He gets it entirely from an entity on the other side. And everything you find out about Higgs is, is all fake. His power comes from this extinction entity, read Fallen Angel, and his group that is gaining powers from the other side, from these Fallen Angel entities, are called the Homo Demons. And maybe I'm making too much of a pun about this, but it just makes me think Higgs boson and the Homo Demons is science fake and gay and being used for evil. I don't know. Let me know what you think. But besides just science, there are magical concepts in this game. And the magical concepts really go back to Aleister Crowley-like type sex magic, cast magic, whatever you want to call it. And I don't want to get too much into the gross details of Aleister Crowley's sex magic because I did a lot of research on it for other episodes. But one of the things you'll learn that is true really across all uh, ideas and concepts of magic is that blood is magical. That blood and sacrifice and ritual uh, are, are magical and affect things in the plane beyond our own. They affect the supernatural beings. And the reason I bring up Aleister Crowley specifically is because him and other sex magicians talk about that to a lesser extent, so do other bodily fluids. This is where one of the weirdest parts of the game comes in, is that you find out that your main character is also got a connection between this world and the next. And because of that, his blood is very powerful and it can be used to affect or kill off these beached things, these ghost entities. Uh, But what you also find out is that they start collecting his sweat, his urine and his feces, these lesser forms of bodily fluid magic, Aleister Crowley type magic, and that they all have effects just like Aleister Crowley would explain. They all have varying effects from sweat to urine to feces up to blood in Aleister Crowley, semen and blood being the, the top magical properties found in bodily fluids. And this is why sacrifice is so powerful. And this is true even to Christians, that blood sacrifice is powerful. In the Old Testament, you had the blood sacrifice of animals, and then you have the cleansing blood of Jesus in the New Testament. So there's some really interesting magical concepts put forward in this game. So we talked about globalism, these globalist concepts, and you would think the game is really about the World Economic Forum and the evil globalist powers and, and their connections to demons. But What's interesting is this game is really not about globalism exactly because this game is entirely about America. We know nothing about the world outside of America in this game. The, the America is completely cut off from the world and people are theorizing even if no other country has actually experienced this extinction level event that's going on, that maybe it's just America, maybe the void outs and the beached things and the time fall is all here because they just have no way of connecting with the rest of the world. And in fact, This is how America plans to connect and rebuild. And as you go and connect people to the internet, you'll realize that you're not just connecting one city to the next, but you're also going out into the wilderness and trying to connect these crazy conspiracy types to the internet, these preppers and the like to the internet. And they're just not so sure about it. They take a lot of convincing to be able to be hooked into this system. And there's a lot of hints that they might actually be right. And one of the big hints that I want to get to are the cufflinks. There's literally handcuffs that people wear that tie them to the system. They take their biometric data, they gather the location, they allow you to be listened to and spied on all day, every day, 24 hours a day, and it actually is illegal to remove them. So I can totally relate to and understand why the conspiracy types would want to live off grid and not be connected to this 
super Orwellian nanny state system. But the crux of what makes this system evil is not just the Orwellian spying. It's actually the entire point of the game. And the entire point of the game is that Death Stranding is about child sacrifice. And you realize this most strongly when you get to the final city in the game, Edge Not City. And at this point, you're no longer reconnecting old locations that had been hooked up to the chiral network back into the chiral network, but you are going to the final part, the western coast of America. You literally traverse from the eastern coast to the western coast of this game. You get to the final part, and you are finishing the network. You're actually doing the final connection. So before, you're just using a necklace to like reboot the system, but in this city, you're given a mysterious package called a network activation key. And what you'll realize, hopefully, is that this looks exactly like the pod that your bridge baby, now named Lou, is in. And long story short, because this whole episode has to be long story short in a game that's got over 12 hours of cutscenes and hundreds or thousands of emails and information to look into besides that when this child is delivered to the final network to become the activation key, when you turn this child into a living sacrifice to boot up this chiral network internet, that the demonic entities and the fallen angel type entity known as Amelie have now gained full access to our world. And it becomes readily apparent to people who can read between the lines and, and get the clues that this game is literally about killing babies using babies as living sacrifice to gain technology from other world entities. And the clues for this are actually there from the very beginning. And it's in a song that you might be familiar with that Amelie is singing called London Bridge is Falling Down. point of this game is best summed up in a nursery rhyme that was in the trailer for the game. And according to one dark theory behind the London Bridge's longevity, maintains that the bodies were encased in its moorings. So according to the author of the book, The Traditional Games of England, Scotland, and Ireland, Alice Bertha Gomes suggests the origins of London Bridge is falling down refers to the use of a medieval punishment known as immurement. And immurement is when a person is encased into a room with no openings or exits and is left there to die. This is literally what's happening to the bridge baby trapped in the pod, put into the foundations of the chiral network and left there to die as a living sacrifice to the system. And in case you think I'm reaching for this connection here, this is literally told to Sam via an email that you receive in the game just in case you didn't get it. So again, skipping over a lot of cutscenes and backstory and, and other things that you can get if you want to look further into the game, the ending, essentially, America's connected to the chiral network. This fallen angel extinction entity is resting for now, promising that one day they will come to destroy the world, but for now, they'll give you a little bit more time. And Sam is tasked for the second time with destroying this piece of hardware, his bridge baby Lou who at this point has become like a daughter to him now. And Sam is a man who lost his wife and child and is now getting a second chance at family and fatherhood and dead man who becomes his friend. This is a guy who is completely isolated from the world after the death of his wife and his child. No friends, no getting close to people, no touching people, just complete isolation. Dead man who now becomes a friend to him. So much of a friend that Sam gets over his ass and foss and phobia, his fear of touching other people and gives dead man a hug. And when they are embraced in this hug, he tells him that he has a choice that for a brief window, Sam is able to slip his cufflinks off and go off grid. 
And in fact, Sam does exactly that. He burns the cufflinks. He stops eating the bugs and he takes Lou out of the pod and he escapes the satanic system to live off grid with his baby and his new girlfriend. And that brings us to Death Stranding 2, which is not out yet, but we do have a trailer for it. And the trailer shows their new life and asks the question, should we have connected? So I'm very interested to see the repercussions of this satanic technocratic system that the UCA is now in with Death Stranding 2. But before we end this episode, I want to talk about further symbolism with the main character, Sam Porter Bridges, because there's a Reddit user who summed this up perfectly called When Will the Day Arrive? And they said on Reddit, Death Stranding is basically the story of how a working class man saves the world from a satanic interdimensional entity that has possessed the president and infiltrated all levels of government which basically sustains itself through the ritual sacrifice of unborn children. Sam defeats this interdimensional entity through the force of sheer hard work, a peaceful mind, love for his family and friends, and in the end, denies the need for power and clout, knowing what that makes people into. So if you know anything about me, you can probably see why this is one of my favorite video games of all time, the main character being a blue-collar, hard-working dad. It is a condemnation of child sacrifice. It's a condemnation of the shadow government. It's a condemnation of living in the pod and eat the bugs and the dark forces that the president and other people in America are working with. I think this game is absolutely fantastic. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know in the comments what I missed, because again, there are so many things in this game that I just couldn't get to and keep this a short and brief episode. Let me know what you'd like to see next, what movie, book, video game you'd like to see uh, me cover on Real Conspiracies. And please come over and join us live on a Wednesday night at 7.03 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Conspiracy Pilled. And until next time, keep it real. <laughs>